I think we're in a creative renaissance right now. The artists are being rebirthed and re-inspired and reinvigorated and I think it's taking action on that and as as a collective as we all start to step into a more creative flow, a more creative mindset. And once as as we all step into a space of creating our own reality, that's going to raise the collective consciousness. That's Nick Onkin, and this is episode 441 of the Wellness Wisdom podcast. Wellness Wisdom How can we bring awareness and reverence to all the little mundane elements of our life? Wellness, I think, is a combination of understanding your own internal wants, needs, and desires. If you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. Understanding that we are a piece of nature, you know, nature is where we belong, I think is a very comforting thing to understand that would certainly feed into wellness well. Hey friend, it's Josh Trent. This is the Wellness Wisdom Podcast, episode 441 with Nick Onkin, Evolve or Evaporate, accessing your creative identity to feed your soul. And speaking of feeding my soul, your soul, our souls, this podcast is supported by your support, by the support of our sponsor, Organifi, who makes the best tasting green adaptogenic morning energy burst I've ever drank. I'll talk about this later in the show, but you and I both know 99% or so, maybe more, of green juices, they're terrible. It tastes like somebody threw a bunch of dirt and grass clippings into a blender. But if you want something that actually tastes good and will give you all the benefits of a fresh green juice, just go to joshtrent.com forward slash Organifi. Use the code wellnessforce. You save 20% off the best tasting green juice out there. You can also head to wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. We're doing like this joshtrent.com and then this wellnessforce merge. So slowly over the course of time, I'm going to move a bunch of stuff over to joshtrent.com so it'll be easier. So thank you for your patience. And I appreciate you being here because this is a big one. We sat down at my house in Austin with a world-renowned photographer, podcast host, and creative entrepreneur devoted to inspiring the world to create their moments. It's Nick Onkin. And he's photographed people like Justin Bieber, Tom Hanks, Jessica Alba, and he's been featured in many different magazines and worked with many different big brands. But as you can imagine, and I actually asked him this on the show, as I was like, Nick, would you ever work for some of these brands again? You know, like the Nikes, the Pepsi Colas. And authentically, he said, hell no, <laughs> which I loved. You're going to love that too. We talked about how to become a creative force in the world, no matter your upbringing. Nick's upbringing was in a very conservative Christian household. So we don't have any excuses. We just get to find the right way. We'll talk about how to navigate career setbacks after quick success and how to balance one's career and moral compass. Nick's own wellness toolbox includes some really cool practices that are very special to him that actually helps him create more in the world and set his physiology up for creation. We'll also talk about the dark night of the soul he had that helped him become the man he is today. And last but not least, you can take a quiz. It's a creative identity quiz where you can learn how to reveal your creative identity. It's on Nick's website. This is where you can uncover your unique genius. You know, which mediums you can start exploring to help you unleash your genius, your creativity further. So if you're a person who's wanting to use creativity to earn money, to make a living, this episode is a great place to start. Or for anyone going through a life change or for somebody that just wants inspiration, wants to hear a very unique, powerful, moving story. All the show notes today are at joshtrent.com forward slash 441. Now let's drop in in Austin, Texas with Nick Onkin. Nick. 
Welcome to my house. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Love it. Thanks for having me. People know you, well, I know you as like one of the world's best photographers, but you have a lot more to give than that, man. <laughs> if people don't know you, if they're like just seeing you or hearing you on the show for the first time, uh, Nick Onkin, uh, professional photographer, some of the best people in the world, Usher and Lewis Howes and some of the big boys and, yeah. big, and big girls. Uh, but share with us, man. Share for the audience. Like, who are you, man? What do you do today? I know that changes all the time. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I came to this kind of brand identity uh, as a creative alchemist, and I because I've been figuring out, like this, and this kind of came to me through the pandemic, being hauled up in New York in my apartment by myself for four months, Oof. which is actually fine. Okay, because I love. I mean, it was just like how I normally am when I'm home. Now I'm like in my creative lab. Um, I have a whole, I have a two floor apartment in New York and downstairs is my, my lab. I call it my creative lab now because I like, I'm doing, I make hats. I do photography. Um, I'm, I've been learning to DJ and play house music and stuff like that. Now I'm kind of trekking into, um, learning how to produce my own stuff. That's going to be, that's a long journey. Um, but I just kind of started getting interested in that. So the idea of being a creative creative alchemist and bringing all these things together and how does that under one umbrella, but also it's like the spiritual journey behind that because that's been a huge piece of my life for like, especially the last two or th- three or four years. Um, I think been, if you're alive on planet earth right now, you're in a spiritual journey, whether you believe it or not, or whether you realize the, it or not, you're there. <laughs> <laughs> you're there. It's become more into my conscious awareness over the last few years. And yeah, and it's been a beautiful journey. So the whole idea is to integrate that into all the art. So I would say like my North Star is to help uh, to create art that inspires and empowers people to find their true selves mm-hmm. and to connect with source and the greater the greater space that is out there. Whatever you want to call it, the universe, God, you know, I believe in it all. And, and yeah. I think the more, especially as a creative, it's really God is creativity. We are birthing, you know, we are the midwives of creativity. So we give birth to, to sources, ideas in this planet. Birth is powerful. I have a yeah. six month old son. So I got to be there for the birthing process. Ow. Whoa. I mean, birth is not smooth. Birth is radical. And sometimes creativity can be radical too, like the creation of it. It's funny when I was looking at your past, your mom and dad, like they were very conservative. They were, I believe, Christian faith. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a pretty big vacuum to quote Alan Watts that you were created in. (laughs) Nature abhors a vacuum, right? So share with the audience, like the vacuum that was created for you by having the conservative mom, the conservative dad, how did that in kind of a cool way fuel your creativity? Like what was that like? Yeah, I mean, they were very, I mean, I grew up in a Christian bubble, suburbs of Seattle, and I was cultured to believe this specific dogmatic practice or like set of rules. And it's so interesting to, my parents were always very supportive of my creative endeavors. My dad, you know, I think my dad, he's like, he's an artist as well and not as practicing. Um, But he always used to paint and um, he did underwater photography randomly enough (laughs) cool so i think as i as in my formative years they were my parents were always very supportive of the art that i was creating and like my love for drawing and painting and whatever that was 
So I'm blessed to have had parents who've always encouraged me in that direction because I know a lot of people don't. So I think they also helped me pursue my natural identity and didn't really, you know, their, their, their push of adopted identity for me was living in a Christian world, you know, and for me, my, I didn't know any better. I didn't know what, what the world outside of that was. And so as I got older, I started to explore the world outside of that in a more philosophical way and explore like, oh, wait, I'm so curious. But the Christian dogma was so rooted in my DNA and rooted into my subconscious belief system that it was. it took me a good seven years to step out of the fear of going to hell or whatever, you know, it was like, that was what was preached to me my whole life. Sure. It's like, Oh, if you're not a Christian, you're going to hell. And that is a big fear tactic. And it's a big thing that's ingrained that was ingrained into my, into my head, into my subconscious, my way of being. And so to like, to really deconstruct that and shed that identity took a good seven years. That started when I was 21 and, you know, around when I was 28 was when I was like, I felt more free of that. And there's still a lot of lingering things that I was brought up with uh, that still I'm working through breaking that, breaking those constructs. One of the things I'm stoked to talk with you about is money because everybody, but artists, you know, that old adage, oh, the starving artist, which I think is really just a mental construct. It doesn't have to be that way. But you had, I think you called it the ramen days where you, <laughs> where you were like literally eating ramen because it's easy for people that are aspiring entrepreneurs or that are just aspiring in general to potentially cast judgment and not know one story because they just see the fruits that you've yielded through like being yeah. a high level photographer now. But that is not the case. <laughs> That's not the case for you. Like you literally had to eat ramen because you were quote, quote, the starving artist for a while. Yeah. Well, what was that like? And when you're starting out as an artist, you don't have the credentials and the, the work to, to be able to, command higher prices and, and higher, you know, actual real money, if that's what you want to call it, yeah. like livable money, yep. like um, enough money to create a live, like have a house and have all these things, uh, just a normal space of living. And that's still a dance with me right now. Um, you know, it's, it's been many different ups and downs and being an artist, I'm more in the right brain. So the left brain business stuff is, is it's a, it's a tricky, you know, it's like more work. So it's a, definitely the balance of both, but the ramen days, and I call them the ramen days because it's like a little bit more. It makes a little bit more sense. But for me, that was like, oh, I'd cook a cook a pot of pasta and make it last like five days, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Were and you I, actually? Yeah, I've seen memes on Instagram where people have like the dry ramen and they're putting the the salt on it and eating it. Were you doing that? Um, I did that a little bit, like oh, the, you yeah, like you okay. know, it, it wasn't my favorite thing, yeah. and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. pasta was a little, you know, it's still cheap, right? Like mm -hmm. you cook, cook up some noodles, make some pasta sauce, and then put it in the fridge and like eat it every day. Um, yeah, uh, and it, I guess it was a four. It was Italian ramen. So when you were eating ramen, th there was there was some scarcity, and and I I was raised on welfare. My audience knows my story in depth, and if you haven't, then we'll link in the show notes some of my story. If you're just coming to the show, if you're just coming because you heard Nick on the show, but like wow, eating ramen coming from scarcity, like your dad, I think you said made fifty k a year, fifty five k a year. Yeah, uh, your mom also was in a kind of a humble job too, or yeah, but my mom when growing up, that was the great thing is my mom was stayed at home. 
you know, oh, with us. Cool. Yeah. Until we got yes. a little bit older, then she got a job at the school as like the secretary. Okay. So, you know, I mean, she wasn't really making that much yeah. in general either. She wasn't a ball and entrepreneur. So you don't have like entrepreneurism in your DNA. No, not at all. Like I am like straight up black sheep in my family. Like my sister married her somebody from high school. They have three kids. They live, my parents live with them. Well, yeah. And you know, they, my mom had the grand or my sister had the grandkids for my parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one that's like, you know, I'm 43, traveling the world, living in New York. I've been to seven continents, over 60 countries, and I've, you know, made a living doing art. And I think my parents have always kind of, especially my dad has always admired that mm. um, because I know that that's probably something in him that he never really got to do. Yeah, but it wasn't until you came across Tim Ferriss's work, The 4-Hour Workweek, where you were like, whoa, I can, I can, that's a possibility? I can do that. And I think, honestly, Tim Ferriss, you know, I've never met him, but in his early days, he was really inspiring. I'm sure he's very inspiring now for people. I don't follow him that much, but he really put you on a different path, right? You came across his work and that was what made you go super deep into like having a business of your own, not being like the hamster in the wheel that you had talked about. Yeah. Uh, we all feel like that at times, I think. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm 41. There was a time where I was starting out as a personal trainer and I'm like, is life really supposed to be this fucking hard? (laughs) (laughs) Like, do I, do I have to get up every day and run on this treadmill? So looking back, like what was the shift? Was it Tim's work or was it just pressure and time? Like what were the ingredients that made you shift? Yeah. I mean, I think it was the desire to want to do art as a career, but not knowing how to do it. And then reading the four hour work week just gave me like a structure or like I was more mindset, right? Cause the book is really talks about how do you work out of a full-time job create something online that funds yeah. the life that you want to have yeah. or is creative being a creative is a little bit different of a dance because you're still trading time for money. It's just a different way of doing it, but you can also that I had flexibility as a, I was a graphic designer for five years. That was my first career. And that's what I went to school for. So I had the flexibility as a freelancer to do whatever, create my own schedule. And after reading that book, I was like, Oh yeah, I can just, create my own schedule. I can do what I want and I can make money in pockets here and there. And that was really, but it still gave me the idea of like, oh, I get to design my life how I want to. I get to like travel the world. I get to, you know, and then it, when photography came into the space, it, I was like, oh, I can travel and make money. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, <laughs> I'm not even mad. <laughs> it, it almost feels like, correct me if I'm wrong, like your, your desire, your dream was like this seven, 10 year process and you're even still in the process of building that dream now it wasn't like it happened because you met the right person and your career exploded overnight it's been a long process yeah and it's been an up and down process and Mm. it's not like building a business where it kind of scales and grows and then eventually you don't have to do much of it I'm, i'm always still having to trade time for money so that's been the up and down of it i've had months where i'm like balling and and doing well and then like you know business just I'm not getting the calls and you know, that's a whole, I mean, go into that part of the journey too. But Mm -hmm. in the beginning it was really, um, figuring out a way of doing that to be able to also create my life. So I was utilizing the tools of creating a business around art to be able to craft the craft, the lifestyle that I wanted to live. I find it fascinating that people, I was at a networking event last night here in Austin and Someone came up to me and I've been on his podcast and he was like, dude, you're doing so amazing. Like, what does it feel like to, to be at the top? And I'm like, I'm nowhere near the top, 
But online, there's a perception that all my ducks are in a row, <laughs> all, all my shit's together. And like, I'm, I'm very honest, like we're still growing. I, I talked to you about changing the name of the podcast, right? where when this comes out, I don't know, we may change the name of the podcast because creativity is just like love. It, it, it flows, it comes, it can go. It's, it's very fluid with creativity. And same yeah. thing with business. I don't think there's ever making it. I don't think there's a position of there, there, or like, oh, I've made it. I think that when we get to the top of one mountain, it's at the foot of another one. That's what it feels All like to time. me. All the time. All yeah. the time, right? How, how <laughs> yeah. has that played out in your life where you reach the top and you're like, oh, I see the other mountain I want to climb? Yeah. I mean, so when I started to become a photographer, so I had I was doing graphic design and then I'd taken a couple of classes in high school and college for photography because it was part of the design program a few years into it I was freelancing and digital photography digital cameras got good enough to be able to use the files on as like on the computer right this is like very very early digital days and I convinced a nonprofit design client of mine to split the expenses on a trip to Africa to build them a photo library. I had no idea what I was doing. This is like one of those like, hey, yeah, I'll do it. And then you weave the parachute on the way down <laughs> and you figure it out. And I think that is also a big um, thing or trait in entrepreneurship is you figure it out. It's problem solving. Um, and if I don't know how to do it, I'm going to do what it takes to figure it out and learn. Um, and that trip was life-changing in two different aspects that opened my eyes to the developing world, which shifted the way that I see the world and also how I approach my business and giving back and, and, and all of that. But then it was also this space of like, oh, wow, I can travel and take pictures and like people pay me to travel, like at least like pay for my travel expenses to travel around the world. This is amazing. Yeah. And so from there, I started to start to pursue photography as a career. I connected with a photographer in Seattle um, and he taught me, he kind of opened my eyes to the business of photography that it was actually a career. It was actually a business. I literally didn't even know that that was the case at this point. And then from there, I started kind of assisting with him and shooting my own work. And then I saw, I was like, oh, commercial photography. I want to be a commercial photographer. And like, that's shooting like print ad, like ads on billboards and magazines. And this is the stuff you've done for Nike and these other huge brands. Yeah. 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 So Nike was one of my first clients, oddly enough. And um, I had gotten this call from this uh, producer out in New York. And I was still living in Seattle at this time. And he was like, hey, we got your name from your friend Brian, who's our art director and uh we have this job next week and we want you to shoot like mariano rivera and albert pujols and all these like, i was like writing these names down because i have no clue who they are <laughs> <laughs> biggest names in like football and baseball. i don't follow sports anymore too don't judge me y'all i don't follow sports <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I have no idea i don't yeah and so i had no idea who these people were i wrote them down looked them up later and i was like oh okay this is, uh, this is my, this is, I was like, I'm, this is my, this is it. I'm, I'm in. And like, you know, so I did this job. We traveled. It was like the amazing race. We traveled, went to San Diego and then we went to, uh, Pittsburgh and then St. Louis and then LA. And that was a whole, that's a whole nother story. But long story short, that was like the kickoff. And I thought I was in, right. I was like, I'm a commercial photographer now. And then I moved to Paris. It was the most money I've ever I had ever made. In How my much life. was it? Do you mind me asking? I was like thirty grand. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and like one shot, just boom. Yeah, it was like six, five days, four yeah. days, or something like that of yeah. shooting. Um, that's good money. 
yeah, it was good money at the time. And I, you know, it was amazing. I was like, this is so dope. But then I didn't see a job like that for another two years. So I was like, you know, again, it was like back down. I was like, ah, what am I going to do? Like, I thought that I was in, like, what's going on? Yeah. And, you know, mentor was just like, hey, you know, be patient. You got to keep working hard. You got to keep grinding. You got to keep shooting. And the whole thing is like build a portfolio that's going to sell what you want to do. So I'm just shooting my own portfolio work and eventually got another job for Nike. And then a couple of years later, I got an agent. And then when I got an agent, that was like my catapult into doing these high level commercial print work. So I was like, you know, my first big gig was shooting secret deodorant. Uh, a campaign for secret deodorant. And this was my first time. Like I had, we shot in Miami. I had three assistants, a digital tech. We had hair and makeup. They all had assistants. assistants. We had motorhomes on set. We had, you know, it was just like we had extras in the background of this shot. And there was like, you know, there was like probably 40 people on the set. It was my first time running a full set. And it was, it was a learning experience. And then from there, I just started shooting everything from like Coca-Cola, Nike, Reebok, Adidas. I started shooting in Brazil. I started shooting in China. It was like all over the place. You've shot uh, with Peter Crone. Yeah. He's, he's been on the podcast. Love Peter. I, I love his work. And you have this really, really beautiful way of capturing someone's actual essence, like who they are. It's interesting because um, I had a photographer reach out to me here and he was like, hey, I'm building my portfolio. Can I just do some shots of you and I'll, and I'll put it on my site? He's like an up and coming photographer. And he had this huge process. And I'm sure you have something the same where you actually get into the psyche of this human. It's not like you're just showing up with like some props and shooting them at their house. It's a process yeah. to really capture someone's essence. How, how do you do that? How do you capture someone's essence to, to where what's showing up on the photos is actually truly them? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a sensibility uh, that I've developed as a photographer and the way that I see and the way that I like move. And also, it's like, how do you direct and how do you vibe with somebody and how do you pull what that person needs to, to come out, right? And that's different for everyone. So as yeah. a photographer, that's the other piece of it, right? Is, oh, I got to kind of like drop in with this person, assess, get them moving, see what like what the angles are, see how they move, how what what they'll give me, but that's also dependent on what I give them. Mm. Uh, and this is kind of translated now because I'm working on the personal brand stuff more now than I do the commercial work because the commercial world is just a whole different ball game. It's just not what it was and not what it used to be. Yeah, what, how, what's changed? Um, social media. Okay. I mean, back in the day, it was like there was less photographers, there was no digital. And, you know, we were all, all of us were, we had to put actual physical portfolios together and we'd ship them to, you know, if a client wanted to use a photographer for, for a print ad campaign, they would call the agents and the agents would send the book, like physical, the books are like, you know, 14, wow. 11 by 14. They would mail it. Yeah. We'd FedEx them overnight the book, you know, <laughs> $50 just to FedEx the book. And then they'd like, the art directors would like open up all the books and go through it. And then they would, um choose the, they, they would bid th bid out three different photographers and then make the they pit, make their first decision and then they pitch that to the client the whole big thing right this is, these are for like you know i would say these productions are probably like 100 150 grand a day you know between fees and like all the all the whole production you know so they they want to make sure that they can trust 
the photographer that they're going to pull all of this together if they give them all this money. Yeah. And so your work has to really shine for that. Like your work has to show that yes, I can I can manage a $150,000 production or a $500,000 production. So you have to build a portfolio that says that. Um and you know, going I guess we're kind of popping back and forth, uh but now you know, since Instagram came out, since it became more about the channel, um, and now people have to crank out more imagery. So the the art directions, you know, it's like people, it's gotten diluted. Mm. Um, and there's way more photographers in the game, you know, because you can pick up a digital camera for a thousand bucks. Totally. And if you know and you learn, you know what you're doing, take some classes online, look at some YouTube videos, practice you can get pretty good and these kids are getting pretty good, right? Even with the iPhone, the 13 pro max, I'm like, Oh my God, this thing's incredible. Oh, it's insane. What technology is doing the same or better than a DSLR camera. Yeah. I'm like amazed at this. So how do you, how do you actually rise above all the noise and be like a true signal? Like, how do you signal, how do you be a beacon in yeah, this world? Yeah, I mean, I think the first part of it is, and this goes throughout the whole my whole career, is like, you've got to build a signature style that people know you for, right? Like, if you look at all my work, you know there's a there's a signature style that is like, oh, I want that, right? Yeah. And so that's the first piece, and you got to keep that going. And it's like, not just, there's the sensibility of light, there's a, like the story that you're telling, you know, what's, what's the content that you're putting into the photographs. There's so many pieces of that pie. And that's like, it becomes more of a calling card. And that's harder to do these days because there's so many photographers out there and so much looks the same and, and, and all of that. But for me, you know, moving into the personal brand space, I have, I have the experience of working on these huge productions, doing, creating like lifestyle photography for, every brand like coca-cola and all these you know brands that i don't even know if i believe in anymore but <laughs> that's all are you are you allowed uh, to talk smack about brands you've worked with before like would you ever work with coca-cola or pepsi again um i mean that's just a moral dilemma right, right? it's really how do you how do you balance the two like would you do an ad for pfizer no thank god yeah i mean that's okay. the that's the other thing too now is like oh i'm in a different space and um yeah I just don't, uh, I don't necessarily want to support certain brands, especially being in the wellness space and like taking care of myself and like learning all the things that I need to take care of myself. I don't, wouldn't want to promote that for other people. Mm -hmm. What's that been like being in New York? We were chatting before we hit record and like, you're like, Hey, I'm checking out Austin. You know, I'm, I'm looking around. Yeah. I'll, I'll see where I live. I feel like everybody with us right now is feeling just this massive shift. Like, a, like, you know, ever seen those almond trees where they bring the truck up to the tree and they shake the tree <laughs> <laughs> and all the almonds fall to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's what it feels like we're going through. I know you feel this, like, do you feel like your world is being rocked right now? Like your tree is being shook? Um, I do on, on a certain oh, level. Oh God, 180%. And so everything's moving at this like speed of light with creativity and Instagram and TikTok and everybody's a quote content creator. What What's the North star? Like, what's the thing that makes you not compromise, know your direction, know yourself, and be able to give people this identity alchemy process. This podcast is brought to you by our trusted friends at Organifi, the creators of the Organifi Gold, my number one turmeric lemon balm and superfood adaptogen bombshell. 
that, trust me, will make you sleep like a baby. I know this because I use it on the regular. Not only is this one of my top sleep supplements I use personally, but also it helps my nervous system and my stomach calm down at the end of the day in the evenings, especially if I've had a stressful day. I know you have those too because you're human. (laughs) And because we're human, the best thing to do is take loving care of the human body, starting with quality sleep, not just quantity. This is going to allow you to have the highest quality of life possible. So if you've been struggling with sleep, give this superfood adaptogen powder, the Organifi Gold, a test drive for a special deal over at wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. Pick up a 30-day supply, give it a test drive. If you don't like it, you can send it back, but no one's ever done that, (laughs) as far as I've heard. 20% off is the biggest discount you'll find over the entire internet. We're grandfathered in. These savings are for you. Head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi and use the code wellnessforce. Share this with your friends, your family, and anyone who wants to drink the gold and sleep well. What, what's the North Star? Like, what's the thing that makes you not compromise, know your direction, know yourself, and be able to give people this identity alchemy process? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say this starts back to my own personal journey of, um, you know, when I hit this high point in my career and I was shooting campaigns, like literally I'd shoot in New York and then I'd fly to LA and shoot another campaign. And then I'd fly back to New York, shoot another campaign. And then I'd fly to Brazil. And I was like, and then I almost kind of got burnt out a little bit. And I think my energy reflected that. And then the industry kind of like started to shift with social media. And like my business, my commercial business just started to like slowly decline and decline. And I went to an emotional spiral. Hmm. Um, what year? When was this? That was probably 2013, 12, 13-ish. Yeah. And... I just didn't know what to do. I was like, I was broken. I didn't even know that my self-worth was coming through it from my photography and who I was shooting and what I was shooting and all these different things because there's this whole external validation piece that comes with being an artist, right? And I was talking to East Forest about this and we were talking about how like it's just like a snake eating its own head, right? Because like the better work you do, the more validation you get, but then you got to go back into the cave and create for yourself and stop, you know, don't create for other people, and it's just like this circular thing. Um, so unless you're aware of that, you know, I wasn't aware of this. I was like in my own, I was just in ego space mm-hmm. doing my thing. And then my business started fa- like dropping off. And I was like, ah, what's wrong with me? Like, what is this? And I went downhill. And then um, Lewis actually got me into this emotional intelligence and leadership training. Which one was it? MITT. I did MITT as well. Oh, did you? Yep, oh, I did. Too funny. Uh-huh. Too funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it was powerful. I got what I needed and then I thanked them and I said goodbye. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Same here. And it was, a, it was an amazing Because it can process. be a tricky world if you get stuck, I guess you could say. I'm not here to bash any program, but like you guys, like even in Vipassana, you know, the, the, the creator of Vipassana, the 10 day silent meditation, Goinka. He said in the video on my 10th day, he goes, just like everything, take what serves you and leave the rest. And it's like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's so what we all need to do because it's easy to get involved in groupthink mentality and associate your identity, you know, talking about alchemizing identity. Yeah. It's easy to alchemize your identity with someone else's identity, but it's not really yours. 
Totally. You're just doing it because it's kind of the path of least resistance. Do you, do you see this in your work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to think of it. You got to take things as your tools, as tools, right? They don't be, otherwise they become a cult. Yes. You know? And yes. for some people, MITT became a cult. For me, it was just no a doubt. tool to like actualize my, my own self. And then that goes into my work, right? Like the, the better, especially as an artist, the, the more work I do on myself, the, that shifts the art that I create. And that actually like was a huge shift in the art that I was creating. And I started my podcast from there. And, you know, that's where I started to kind of start to come, come back up a little bit. Um, and I don't remember where we were, where we were going with it, but um, it's perfect. We're in a cul-de-sac of emotion right now. We're just hanging out, playing tennis with each other. Yeah, and I, and I feel like really what this is is something you talked about on one of your podcasts. It was like your 2021 wrap up, and you talked about ego driven versus service driven, and that hit me because I'm like, man, there was this dream book that I was reading in 2014. And it told me that I'm like this Leo Aquarius path. And I'm not too big into astrology. Um, my partner, Carrie Michelle, is, she's like an expert in astrology. But from what I know, like some of these things can be fairly true. Do you follow astrology much or not really? I'm not. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole okay. other rabbit hole that's like pretty difficult to... It's not difficult. It's just I haven't really gotten into it. Somebody watching right now is like, I believe in astrology. And that's cool because I, I do believe that when there's a full moon, I feel kind of different. I mean, I can't deny that. Like yeah. full moons kind of fuck me up in a, in a beautiful way and in, in a weird way. So one thing I know about this Aquarius 3 to Leo thing that I was reading in the dream book in 2014 is it said that for my path specifically, and I'm curious how you feel about this, I have to do things that are number one rooted in the common greatest good. And if I'm doing any kind of things from my ego or from self-serving or wanting the limelight or wanting to be popular or wanting to be seen, I'll never be successful and I'll actually have a really painful life. In other words, the only way to do this is not to be ego driven. It's right. to truly be the embodiment of being service driven. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how does that feel for you? That entire idea of ego and service, which one drives you? Well, that's that's kind of what I was, you know, it goes back to the snake eating its head, right? Because it's, once you start getting an external validation, then the ego comes in and is like, oh yeah, but then you've got to like kill, like shed that and go back into a service state. And I've, it's been a challenge for me, you know, because it's like, even now and like even up to this date, it's like, it is this constant like balance of coming at it from a service perspective and a service intention uh, versus like, oh, I, I need to be like acknowledged and honored for this work. And like, that's what fills me up. So it is this like, ah, okay, I'm back. Okay, ground. And that's why I've like had so many, I've got so many practices in my daily practice now of grounding every day and state changing every day uh, in the mornings. And it is to get back to that more service oriented state. You hang out with a lot of, super high level, like people that are multi eight, nine figure people that have all the money in the world. Do they still deal with this? The service versus ego driver? Yeah. I, you know, and I, I think, yeah, people do and people struggle with, because it is, it's hard, right? Because, you know, yeah, I am about, all about helping people in service, but then that money comes and it's like... feels good to be told you're amazing 24-7 with 500 DMs. Yeah. I'm sure. And I see this with celebrities too, and it's like because the ego external validation is so high um, 
that it, it's hard for them to drop back in, even if they're doing plant me- plant medicine and personal development stuff. Like there's still that struggle because a lot, and especially if their their surroundings are. And that's what I love about Russell Brand, right? Like he's kind of almost stepped away from the ego stuff and is just doing his thing now. And he's yeah. doing a really good job at. He's very intellectual, right? And he's he, creating his whole dive into the world of what's happening right now, but from yep. a very like kind of balanced yet still you know he's got his own biases and everything but um he was one of the first i would say mega influencers to actually be honest about what he sees in the world when it comes to the the shenanigans which is cv19 right he was one of the first people that really was like here's the papers here's wuhan coronavirus here's fauci you guys want to do the research and he would like link it in his stuff like i was so happy with that and i think that needs to be applauded that kind of like leadership because he probably lost a lot of followers he probably even lost deals speaking engagements money who knows but he's doing something from his heart like he's actually doing something that is truly service driven Mm -hmm. and have you ever had a moment in your life where you had to make a decision like that like maybe Coke hit you up and they're like, hey, we're going to pay you 175 G's for this photo shoot. And you, <laughs> and you said no. And you said no. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I haven't had anything like that big come and hit me, but I've definitely kind of veered away from doing that stuff. Um, and I think almost even just energetically, it hasn't come across my table because I've like shifted that, shifted the direction of things. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely spaces where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I think I need to do that. Cause the money part to circle back to our first five minutes, the money part is like clear and present for all. Um, I would say right now from most of my friends and most people that like write in or just are a part of the podcast, they, their number one thing is money. It's like the number one con- contraction constriction in their nervous system. And as an artist, the reason I asked you that question about, you know, what if Coke came to you and offered you money again is because I know that being service driven, it, it has its temptations. It's, it's like Odysseus and the, yeah. mu- and the muse in the sea, you know, she's singing her siren. He has to literally plug his ears and be tied to the mast because the, the lucrative energy of her voice is so strong. Yeah. And I feel like in any creative endeavor, um, Jeff from Commune once in a conversation was telling me this. He's like, you have to be careful because as you grow and as you're more successful or, you know, Nick, as you get bigger and bigger clients, the temptations to do things that are not in alignment are very strong. Yeah. They're very strong. Yeah. Well, and it's, that's, what's cool about the personal brand stuff now is I'm, I'm working with people who have a big mission for the world and that's what's amazing. Like I worked with this guy, James Victoria, yesterday, who's like his work was in 10 different huge museums around the world. And he loves, he coaches creatives or coaches anyone. You know, he's got, he's got clients where he's helping them find their inner creative and helping them bring that forth, right? You know, Lewis, like greatness. It's like all these people that I get to like work with and hang out with have a big mission to, in service to the world. And it's almost like that's my part of my service is to help support them in that which has been really great versus like going in and working for like, and especially the commercial photography world, it's so negative. Like everybody's bitching and moaning and complaining and it's just a a darker space. And I don't necessarily really miss that either. Yeah. But we all vote for it every time we buy their products. Like if we buy Coke and we buy M&Ms and we buy all this shit, like we're, we're voting for it. So (laughs) so in a way we're, we're fueling it. Yeah. When you were speaking and actually the whole time I've, you have had you at my house, like I've been feeling this big bomb drop question. And that is 
when you create, a lot of your work is like stoking that creative energy and being authentic. This is all over your marketing is authenticity. So to really alchemize and to really be authentic, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes when the distractions and the difficulties and the tragedies and all this stuff come in. When you move forward, when, when, when someone watching or listening right now is moving forward on their creative path and they get hit, what do they pull from? In other words, how do they keep going? So get, it gets hit as in like in a financially, personally, I think it comes down to your, your inner practices. Right. And, you know, I went through a huge dark night of the soul a few years ago and between like a breakup and my like struggling business. Um, and this is like through this whole transition of shifting from commercial to, to the personal brand space. I was trying to figure out how to like make, keep making the money that I needed to make to live in New York city. And after this breakup, I just went into this dark questioning, deep night of the soul, dark, dark night of the soul. And I was just like, everything's made up. What's the point of any, any of this, all of it, you know, and it was like, this lasted for like a year. However, I'm very grateful for it because it also, I developed the tools to move through this stuff. Right. So the first I started doing plant medicine, um, dabbling in it a little bit. I did, I did uh, five MEO DMT for the first time, which sent me, to the moon, to the edges of the universe. And I came back and I was like, whoa, that actually put almost because I was in this space. I was like, if this is out there, I was even more depressed now. Cause I was like, <laughs> what are we doing here? What's the yeah. point? So then I started to do, I was reading all kinds of books. I, you know, knew, I think reading and educating and learning and understanding the ego and understanding all these different spiritual or self principles, I think mm. is such a great space. So read, read books, you know, get educated, um, put one step forward every moment. When I was going through this super dark time, I was like, fuck, like I just got to keep moving forward, whatever it takes to feel better. It's like, get out of this. And eventually I picked up breath work, which was a huge tool. So I've utilized that. If I'm like in a dark space, um, or I'm not feeling, you know, I'm like the, the chatter is there. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling, you know, inspired or I'm just not in a good space. I'll bring up breath work. Meditation has been huge. I do that every day and especially even more committed to it through the pandemic because we have this whole extra layer of fear. And, you know, I didn't, when the pandemic hit, I wasn't able to work for four months living in New York city. What am I supposed to do? And my, my landlords were like, yeah, you can't get a break on rent. Like, we'll give you a we'll waive your late fee couldn't you though couldn't you get a break on it not my landlord not my landlords they were like no i asked and they're like no (laughs) (laughs) like well what am i supposed to do you know and so like that set in another level of like okay the scarcity thoughts start coming in Mm. what can i do meditation gratitude like creating these state changes uh, it was a huge, huge piece of it. So I have this like arsenal of tools. I was talking to my friend Grace, and, like having your arsenal of um, joy snacks. Mm. You know what's what's in your arsenal that can help bring you back to ground, to center, to a space where you can keep moving forward. Somebody hearing that's like, well, I already know that, Nick. But here's the big thing: Are you doing it? It's the practice. That, that's the magic. Mm-hmm. That's the wisdom. The embodiment is actually like doing the things you're talking about. Yeah. So if somebody literally right now was like, I'm just going to commit no matter what for like two weeks for 14 days to just sit with myself for 20 minutes. Yeah. And if that's too hard, 
I'm going to do the breathe program. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go to breathwork.io. I'm going to learn about binaural beats. I'm going to understand how to breathe in seven minutes. Like I'm going to do that because yeah. that's what we've helped thousands of students across the world do. And I say that from service, not from my ego. Like yeah. it's from service because breath is the only thing that allowed me to be an anchor in my own fucking storm. Absolutely. Truly. Like yeah. it was the only thing that actually helped me. Plant medicines are great, but they ain't for everyone. Totally. As you know. Right. How do you integrate that? How do you integrate the wisdom from plants into your yeah. life? And what access, you know, you have access to meditation and breath anywhere you go. It doesn't cost any money. It's free. It's free. Once you learn how to do it correctly, it's, it's free. free. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's free. Exactly. Yeah. I would say another thing too is, you know, this just came to mind because I have a, another photographer buddy who, you know, it's the same thing. Living in New York City, you're like, you know, he, he's on this role, getting a few jobs and then a few weeks go, no jobs. And he's like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. Like, you know, it's just a thing. I'm like, okay, great. What are you doing in the meantime? Like, mm. can you build up some marketing? Can you take on another creative project or experiment, play? You know, get yourself into a flow space, a state of flow. And maybe sometimes that's playing with another medium. Like I created all these other mediums because I was in that space if, like a few years back. I was mm -hmm. like, the work, the photography work started slowing down. So I'm like, I, you know, I'd go a month without a job. And I was like, well, what am I doing? Oh, I can take up, like I started this 100-day project of like doing 100 days of hand-drawn type. I would take a quote and like hand-draw it and, you know, would experiment with different pens and different papers and, you know, post it on Instagram as a way of, of accountability of actually doing it. And by the end, by the time I, after that 100 days, I developed out this handwriting style that then I turned into painting murals with. So everything, you know, pick up another creative medium, try something new. You know, you got to like, it's, you know, it's the art of start, right? You got to put the pen to the paper. It doesn't have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're, you're getting that creative flow moving, the creative energy moving through and not stagnant, I think that's also a, a good piece to, to play with. Also, I was feeling too, we cannot create from compression it's really hard i've heard this quote before and it's like you know the mother of invention is necessity and i think that's true sometimes but like real creativity and some of the most beautiful things that happen they don't always come from a space of freneticism and like oh my god rents due so i gotta create this new piece of art it's like ah uh, there's another way i think you know, yeah. so how, how do you see and, and what can you share with people about creating from a space that is open and spacious itself, because that's where I believe my best creativity comes from. I just took a month off and I had profound revelations about my business, my life, my brand, my everything. But it was because I like literally said, no, no matter what, I'm taking time off. I'm literally going to live in this little bubble, much like you did in New York yeah. when the pandemic hit or the pandemic. And then in that <laughs> bubble, I created so many cool things and I wrote down so many things and I have a new direction for my life, but it's because I... <sighs> I slowed down for a minute. Yeah. And I wasn't frenetic. So how do you how do you see that unfolding in your own life? What can you share with people that might be feeling that compression? How do we create from compression or even can we? Yeah, I mean I think part of it is just creating your sandbox, right? The sandbox being the uh the financial space to create. Okay. Right. I was wondering so, what you mean by sandbox. Okay. Yeah, and I think I look back at my life and I've always constantly done this. Is like, you know, building to a space where I'm making more money for less time so that I can put that other time into my other creative projects. And how do people do that? Um, make more money. 
Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 about building a name for yourself. You know, consistently doing work that lets you elevate your prices, and also like jumping out and charging charging more. And that's also kind of like a it's it's an interesting subject as a creative because it's really hard to kind of navigate that and it's almost like you have to like you know work with clients to see like okay what and and like how good is your work for people to trust you right yeah. if you're not getting the jobs then maybe you need to do better work exactly and then people will be like oh yeah and you also have to have like other you know brands or people that also build that credibility that you've worked for mm-hmm. that's the other piece sounds like it's an amalgam it's not just one thing it's like Knowing people, having talent, cultivating the skill set, working on your craft, knowing how to market. I mean, all these things need to come together over time. Yeah. And it's all the dance, right? Because you can have, you can be a total salesman and be a talker and be out building relationships. But if you don't have the work that backs up your talk, that's going to come through. And then you'll fail a job or you won't have what it takes to like actually pull off what this job would be. Hmm. So <laughs> it's it's the ultimate challenge of like, you know, being in the flow state versus white knuckling and quote, getting shit done. Yeah. There are two narratives that sometimes oppose each other. Flow state, if we learn anything from Jamie Wheel and Stealing Fire, is like the Alpha 2 brainwave where we're just in flow. Maybe it's you painting or making hats or it's you doing your thing. It doesn't require you to be like, I'm, I got to get this done. But then on the other side of the coin in true duality, bills need to be paid. And my son needs food and, you know, I'm paying contractors for the business and like all these things unfold. How do you personally do that? I mean, I know how I do it, but I'm interested in you. Like, how do you manage the duality of those two things? There's a lot of talk in this world about gut health, but when it really comes to gut health, you don't always need supplements to make your internal world sparkly clean again. The majority of the time you can heal and nourish your gut simply by using the right foods and eating the right nutrients. For me and my family, when it comes to gut health, we start with food, specifically healthy, sustainable animal foods that are pasture-raised, organically spiced, and naturally fermented, like the pasture-raised turkey sticks from our partners and friends at Paleo Valley. Now, the naturally occurring probiotics is what truly sets these turkey sticks apart. Also, they taste amazing, and they satiate me. They're GMO-free, they have delicious flavor. This beautiful satiating protein is digested with every bite, this cage-free, free-range, pasture-raised poultry. It's the equivalent of 100% grass-fed cows. You can feel good and pick up your multi-pack of these pasture-raised turkey sticks over at joshtrent.com com forward slash paleo valley make sure you use the code josh that's j-o-s-h to get 15 percent off your entire order make your gut happy and stop being hangry no more hangriness joshtrend.com forward slash paleo valley use code josh to save 15 percent off your entire order from my friends at paleo valley like how do you manage the duality of those two things yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's taking a look and, you know, everybody has a different situation. So family, kids, I'm single, you know, so I have less, you know, probably a less expenses, but I think it's taking a look at your overall overhead, you know, seeing where you can, what's necessary and where you can cut down mm-hmm. in overhead. And then like, how do you create enough work to make more than that, right? So you have that extra buffer that's your sandbox, right? And then that means that sandbox allows you to not need to work. Say like you, let's for instance, say you're, you have, you make your rent for the month. Um, how long, how many days does that take you to make? Do that work and then you have the rest of the, the month off. But you also have to be very disciplined 
to be able to like play in the sandbox, not just sit around and watch movies or yeah. go out drinking, you know, I think that's or, ha- or have a $17 smoothie every day. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> From after your yoga session, you know, like don't spend $25 on green juice every day. Yeah. So you got to like really look at your finances and assess like, okay, how do I want to, do I really want to create a sandbox to, to, to play? Yes. If that's your intention, then align all the other elements, budget elements to be able to give you that. Mm. And you can do that. You know, I, I always tell people that are like, want to quit their job, you know, give yourself like a six month buffer runway sandbox of pay your, save up six months of overhead give yourself six months to just play and like really work on your craft because the more time that you spend on your craft, that's what's going to help you make more money with your craft down the road. But if you're not spending that time, you know, then you're not going to be able to do that. You know, you're not going to be able to command those higher prices. You're saying something so powerful. And this has happened to me three times in my life, what you're describing, because when I was in my early twenties, I took six months off and I moved to Hawaii before I became a trainer. Like that was my, I was in automotive working on Mercedes Benz, like not doing this, right. <laughs> not talking to people, not using my gift. Yeah. And, uh, and I took time off. I didn't know it was a sandbox at that time. I love your analogy. It's, it's an awesome analogy, but I was out there playing. And then, and then when I was done with fitness, I took another six months off. Um, and I went into debt. I went into massive debt because mm-hmm. I knew there was something in my soul that was like, you just need space. You literally just need space to create from because if you don't give yourself space, this was my soul speaking, then you're not going to create anything and tomorrow is going to be Groundhog Day again. And I guarantee you right now, I can feel it, the energy of the people with us because there are so many people watching and listening right now that are like seeking this shift of like their identity, their work, their job, especially with the, the lockdowns and all the insanity. People are literally having to look in the mirror and be like, do I love my life? Yeah. Do I... Do I, am, I, am I with the right person? <laughs> How's my health? Like what's going on yeah. here? And you have something amazing. This is the creative identity quiz. So you guys, um, the link is onkin.co and on there you can get a quiz. It's, the, it's to figure out what type of creative you are and you get a customized guide to help you figure out where to go next. It's free. I don't know the software of how you did that. It seems pretty complex, but, but this quiz is like, dude, it's a great place to start. It's a great place to like begin the journey of like, what even is my sandbox? Yeah. What does that even look like? How, how'd you come about this where people just, why did you create the quiz essentially? Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of just uh, to see where people are at in their creative journey, whether, you know, they just like enjoy creating on the side. Do they want to be a full-time creative? Um, and then do they create- want to get out of the cubicle? <laughs> yeah. And then- are you sick <laughs> of going to the job you hate? That's essentially maybe why the quiz was created. Yeah. And then to kind of help people where they are in that journey. So there's a few different archetypes or, pro, you know, like spaces where people you know, kind of fall into, cause it's a different, you're speaking to different, you know, it's different kind of advice for different people. And so, you know, it helps, it was for me to help offer more advice to specifically to where people were at mm. um, in their creative journey. Is it pretty robust or is it something where like, what do they get from the actual quiz and the beginning of the journey? Because a lot of people come to me and they're like, I want to start a podcast. I want to do this. I want to do that. And maybe at some point in the, in the near future, I will create something that helps people do that. But right now, like I'm focused on other things, other, other projects, but I get people all the time and I'm sure you do too. They're like, Hey dude, where do I begin? You know, I'm, I'm not happy with my life. I don't really love my job. I'm not, I'm not feeling creatively fulfilled. 
Yeah. What do they get from the actual quiz? Yeah, I mean, there's different. Like, there's a PDF for each for the different um, kind of archetypes, and each one has different kind of like uh, like book recommendations and quotes and and different things um, that will help where you're at right there. So that's kind of like the first thing, and then it kind of brings people into the ecosystem. And I like talk a lot about this stuff in my podcast and creativity and and um, personal, just the personal journey and all of that stuff. So kind of to 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 help funnel people to the resource the resources that I'm putting out there. So it's like where they get their feet wet, essentially, and then they they can. It's a good place to start. And then, is there a way that they can can people work with you individually if they're not a photographer? like on their own business, like branding their own business? Yeah, I'm, I'm developing a program called Identity Alchemy, which is you know really more oriented towards building a personal visual brand that's aligned with who you are. Um, you know, Because we all go through this identity alchemy process throughout the years. And I mean, I've gone through it many, many times and I always continue, right? It's just like this process of, it's a three-step process of deconstruct, curate, and become, right? So deconstructing you know, first of all, is like your adopted identity, what people around you have told you who you have to be in the world, which typically isn't who you are. Yeah. And then there's your deconstructing your natural identity of like, oh, okay, what did it, who am I? Like, what's my art? What's my creativity? What's my North Star? What, who do I want to be? Uh, who do I want to be in this world? Who, what's, what's natural for me? And then the next step is like curating kind of who that, is that you want to become like what values do you want to have what priorities do you want to have do you want to take care of your body mind and soul or do you want to be a creative whatever what is it whatever that looks like and this i do this a lot with entrepreneurs throughout my photo shoots and, and things like that because the third part of it is is becoming so being stepping into that identity uh and becoming that and then creating visual assets around that that's kind of like the whole point of this this course mm-hmm. um for this is kind of for starting entry-level entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out where to start how to build a brand that kind of thing um and then there's like the identity alchemy photo shoots that i do and 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 work walk with people through that process um, so if somebody is like wanting to put their foot into entrepreneurship is the quiz the best place to start um, the quiz is a little bit more, you know, it's been a, and this is also kind of a shift, you know, from over my the last few years for mm-hmm. me, like the, the, the quiz was a lot more oriented towards, um, creatives and, and entrepreneurs as well. Like people awakening their own creativity. Uh, the identity alchemy piece is a little bit more geared towards entrepreneurs, building, a, building their own brand, authors, speakers, uh, thought leaders, um, mm-hmm pretty much anybody who's like selling themselves as a brand. Some people are artists too, you know, mm-hmm. artists like I sh- like this James guy that I shot yesterday. He's an artist, but he's also doing online stuff. So there is an alchemy to that. And that's what this is for. What's one of the biggest, boldest, like most badass moments you ever gone through where you really felt true fulfillment? Moments. I think these moments come through a lot when I'm traveling and, you know, capturing photographs when I'm out in the world. And, and I think there is this rush of being out, out of my comfort zone, exploring something new, exploring a piece of the world that I've never seen before. And then also capturing that in a photograph. What's like one where you're like, yep, I remember that one. Which one comes up right now? (sighs) 
man, there's so many. Finnish Lapland was amazing. Capturing reindeer, never seen reindeer. You know, going to Antarctica and capturing penguins like out in the Arctic, Antarctic ice icebergs. Like that was like, geez. Like, what was that like? What did you have to wear to go on the ice with penguins? Um, you, you know, like down there, it's actually during the it's their summertime, so it's only like 32 degrees. <laughs> okay, it's not actually that cold. It was okay. colder in New York <laughs> during the winter <laughs> than it was down. There. So you know, we wear like just kind of jumpsuits. I bought like this Canadian goose jacket and i didn't even use it because it was too warm i remember that movie that the secret life of walter mitty where like the photographer was going out and he was filming like (laughs) i think it was like the ocelot or the snow cat or something and when he was done he like got rid of the photo because the moment was more important to him yeah the moment of capturing it and being there and just the joy of creation was actually way more fulfilling than publishing the negative as a photo and being like, this is the one, look at me, look how amazing I am. (laughs) And I think that's a bomb metaphor for exactly what we've been talking about today, which is like, you doing something because you love to do it? Or are you doing something like literally just for the money? Do you have any wisdom on that as we kind of wind down here, like wisdom on money versus creation? Yeah, I mean... And how do we make them the same? (laughs) You know, how do we combine the both? I'm still working on combining everything all together, but I would say like in a, in the artist's journey, doing your own personal work is always going to, is always going to result in getting the clients because people want to see who you are as an artist. And that's why I say create the sandbox so you can play and do what it is that you want to do and always, cre- always create the time to create the art that you want to create without any other influence because you love it. And that's, I mean, you have to love the, the craft if you're going to make it through this whole journey because it's up and down a lot of downs you got to make it through the downs um and doing it because you love it is what's going to carry you through that and to find what you love you actually have to do because you can't just sit at home and watch youtube videos like you got to get out there and like actually fall down and get bloody and yeah figure shit out so if you put the pen to the paper you gotta put the pen Pen to the the paper paper. you have to literally start what did you say the art of the start yeah there's actually a book called the art of start but okay i mean this i don't it's like i read a long time ago because we're in a capsule right now and i'm not painting a doomsday but like whatever the collective consciousness decides of what we're going through, you know, you and I, all of us are a part of that decision-making. So if we are doing shit, we hate, stop it. Yeah. Literally stop it. And, And I get it. Like you have bills, you have family. So do I, we all do, but you owe it to yourself. I'm not shaming you. Like you owe it to yourself to do something that you actually love to do something you actually enjoy. Yeah. And so for people that are wavering on that, if you had a mantra or, something that you could speak right to their subconscious mind. They're on the fence. They're like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Maybe they feel defeated. Maybe they feel um, depressed or maybe they feel anxiety. Just anything other than being pulled towards something they love. What's something you could share with them? I would just say, because why not? You know, like try it out. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. But trying it out, it's going to put the pen to the paper. And that's the biggest piece. I mean, I go through this even on a shoot. I'm like, it's just getting that first, pushing the button for the first time and getting that first shot. Then it goes into a flow, right? I think so much anxiety is built up of like, what if it fails? What if this? What if that? But that keeps you from actually starting. That keeps you from actually putting the pen to the paper. So why not? Why not try it? That's a bomb drop right there. I felt that 
two, three years ago when I, um, I got to moderate at paleo FX, the biohacking panel. And it was like Dave Asprey and like all these people that I respect. And I was so nervous. I'm like, why am I so nervous? What is this? I went in the bathroom. I did my breathwork practice and I just started loving the feeling of anxiety. I just started loving it. I'm like, mm. what are you here to teach me? Hey, anxiety. I get it. Like you're, you're, you want to look your best. You want to speak your best. You want to do all these things your best. And now as a father, I'll tell you, man, it's like, I can look back and I can see that all of us are either choosing to hold the young man or the young woman inside of us when mm. we're scared, when we're anxious, when we're whatever, anything other than peace, or we're not, we're either choosing to love ourselves in those moments or we're not. And it's not a shame thing, but like you had said, these, these tools that we have, like the breath, I would say out of all of them, that has been the North star. Mm. And as you look at the road ahead, how do you see things unfolding? I'm not asking you to cast from a crystal ball or anything, but with all the tools you have and, and with the work you're doing in the world and just kind of what you see from your space, what do you think we're stepping into here as a creative collective space? Yeah. What are we creating? I think we're in a creative renaissance right now. You know, it's like the artists are being rebirthed and re-inspired and reinvigorated and, you know, I think it's taking action on that. And as, as a collective, as we all start to step into a more creative flow, a more creative mindset, more creative, let's create, you know, because you're, you're not just creating art, we're creating our world, we're creating our reality. And once, as, as we all step into a space of creating our own reality, that's going to raise, raise the collective consciousness. And I mean, I'm, I'm excited to just be in, like practice even more creativity with the people around me creating, you know, more group community type of stuff and diving into whatever it is, whatever creative, you know, medium that I'm interested in, in diving into. I feel like before we say goodbye, I can't leave without asking you this big question. And that is this word trust. You spoke about it on your podcast, which we'll link in the show notes. And you talked about like the universe has bigger plans. The universe has bigger plans, but in the moment of feeling the, the misalignment or the lack of trust, that wisdom of the universe having our back or the wisdom has other plans, the, the universe has other plans for us. The wisdom of that can get skewed. It can get skewed because of our own wounding and ourselves. So what wounding have you let go of in order to trust the wisdom of the universe? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all attachment, right? I think the wounding for me is, is judgment, criticism. Um, that's been some, a big through line throughout my life. And I found a lot of that in the in MITT and then going through the gene keys, realizing like, Oh, I have judgment in <laughs> a lot of my keys, a lot of the spaces. Well, and isn't it, and I say respectfully, isn't it also in, in your culture, in your heritage, there's a lot of judgment in that culture. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's very, like even women are not supposed to show their teeth when they laugh and, and I watched the Joy Luck Club and I don't know much about your culture. So I'm not, I'm not coming at this from an educated space. Right. I don't really know too much about your culture, but in the background of that culture, there's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of like stoic, like posturing. Yeah. Right? I think Asian culture in general, I mean, I grew up in American culture, so I'm not as tight into that, tightly woven into that space, but yeah, in Asian culture, it's so much about face, saving face and like looking great, looking great, looking perfect. You and can then, say that about any culture, but I really feel it yeah. at times from the Asian culture. Yeah. And then you throw Christianity on top of that and it's a whole oh other ball of judgment wax. So it's like, <laughs> so how, how did you like, 
un, unravel and unwind that was was it MITT was it other things the unwinding of that yeah I'm still unwinding it right it's 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 about stepping back and creating awareness and like not taking things personally like and that is an everyday practice right of okay I'm I'm aware of these judgmental thoughts of either myself or other people but those are just thoughts and I think the moment the moment we latch on to that so judgment it's i was reading this in the gene keys is like judgment isn't a bad thing it's the attachment to the judgment <laughs> so and that's with anything right like how how attached are we to everything our thoughts the the construct what you know and as we deconstruct and shed those constructs and those the attachment to the constructs and those thoughts the more free we become and that's you know what i'm working on now is, is like how can i detach from those judgmental thoughts as much as i can <laughs> <laughs> through the, you make it sound so easy nick it's not no, easy it's not, it's it's not, not easy. easy but but damn it is simple right and if yeah. any and if anybody got something from this podcast today and i know they got a lot about creativity when we create it comes from that space of being light it comes from that space of not attaching to something when i'm a child playing in a sandbox what am I doing? I'm, I'm just having fun. I'm, I'm literally exploring in my own sandbox. I'm sliding down the slide. I'm, I'm, it's in the process of play and creating that we actually find our gift, that we actually find what we're supposed to do. Yeah. But it's so counterintuitive because like the rents do and responsibilities and all this stuff. So huge amount of wisdom you dropped on the show today. Thank you for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a joy to have you in my house. This is the first time we've actually met in person. Yeah. We've, we've had so many conversations and um, I'm just really feeling great about what we what we dove into and what you shared today. So um, to say goodbye at, at the intersection of, of where you sit, which is really a creator, you're an ultimate creator. Yeah. To create is to, I believe, one of the most powerful ingredients to live your life well. How do you live your life well? What does wellness mean to you? How do you define wellness? Wellness is taking care of the care of the body, mind, and soul that you can become an even greater vessel of creativity. You know, and it's paying attention to the spiritual practice, what you're putting into your body. You know, how are you how are you taking care of the vessel? Because like how you feel physically also has an impact on how you show up in the world and how you, what you get to create in the world and, you know, taking care of the whole spectrum and the whole thing is going to make you an active, more activated human being. I love that word activated too, because so many of us just need like a shake up right now, yeah. <laughs> like, like the almond tree we were talking about. Right. So it's Nick Onken. Oh, uh, it's actually just Onken, O-N-K-E-N dot C-O. But tell them where else they can connect with you and yeah, you how know, else I'd, they can get involved. I would say like uh, Nick Onken, at, at Nick Onken on Instagram is probably the, the that's like kind of the hub of everything. I feel like, I feel like Instagram is just like the new business card. Isn't it? Yeah, because you get a whole vibe of who somebody is by what they post and curate. You really do. Like social media, like you're either going to love me or hate me, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. You're either going to vibe with what I'm doing or you're not. And that's okay too. Yeah. You know, I'm not attached to people. I can't please everybody. Exactly. I used to try to please everybody. And I'm like, that's a sure way to disaster. So Nick, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You guys, we're talking about Nick more at wellnessforce.com forward slash community. It's where you can learn more about his creative process and take the quiz. And until Nick and I see you again, from my heart to yours, we're wishing you love and wellness. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for being here with us on the podcast. You can access all the wellness and the wisdom 
over at joshtrent.com forward slash podcast. You can get every single thing you need to access all the wisdom you have inside of your body and heart and soul right at joshtrent.com forward slash podcast. If you want to be coached directly by me and be a part of this thriving wellness force global community, just go to joshtrent.com forward slash M21. Start your journey today. Get the M21 wellness guide with six science-backed practices that'll help you body, mind, and soul start your day with the right intention and the right mindset so your physical body can give you love back. That's joshtrent.com forward slash M21. Start today. I'm waiting for you. You have the community right here, right now at your fingertips. You just have to have the courage to take the first step. joshtrent.com forward slash M21 to get your free 21-day six-part science-backed guide.